and welcome to Case Reopen, your number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Hallie Treese, and joining me as always is Colleen, the great detective of our hearts. Aww. Colleen, uh, you're, uh, you're a person. <laughs> I'm a person. I'm here. I want to talk about some Detective Conan. It's all good. It is all good, and we have a two-parter today, the final screening murder case, part one and part two. And we kick off with episode 138, which is part one. This originally aired on March 8th, 1999. And so uh, since this episode does revolve around going to like an almost empty movie theater, have you ever been at a movie where only you were in it? Uh, So I don't. I tend to take a buddy along when I go to the movies. So, but I have, so I've been to a movie theater where it was just the two of us or maybe there was one other person there it's it's an interesting experience because you feel like at the same time you feel special but you also feel like a loser that makes any sense yeah yeah for sure uh shockingly as a loser type myself <laughs> this has happened to me a few times i happened with the final fantasy movie when that came out back in the that day. was an opening night though right no okay <laughs> good and then it was The Secret World of Arietti, the uh, Studio Ghibli film. And then Weathering With You is the most recent example of that. Oh, okay. There, I haven't seen that yet. There was nobody else in the entire theater. So I was just sitting there alone and crying over anime, so, as a cool guy does. Yeah. So my experience was with uh, the latest Rambo movie, but... That wasn't like that was a couple weeks into the showing, anyways. So <laughs> no one was going to be there, anyways. That's a cool guy movie. Oh, I... I wasn't expecting you to go see Rambo. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Sylvester Stallone's a bit of my uh, guilty pleasure. Yeah. Have you seen? <laughs> didn't he do porn? Have you seen his porn? Uh, no. <laughs> I draw the line there. So you haven't seen his first starring role, which was the softcore pornography film, The Party Italian at Kitty and Studs. Oh, that's what it's called. He made $200 for two days' work. That's pretty good. Wow. Oh, it was re-released as Italian Stallion Capitalize on uh, Stallion. Okay, there. that's why I was like, wasn't that the title? Like, after they took it from Rocky. The Stud services all of the women, so... Sorry about the spoilers there. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> now I can't go and watch it and be surprised. Yep. So that's your Sylvester Stallone <laughs> fun facts for the night. So the Conan's hint for this episode is above the movie theater, which is more of a location than a hint, but I guess it's something. I don't even know what it refers to. I'm trying to think back to the episode and I don't remember. Oh. I guess they mean the like the windows for the projector. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would um, make more sense if that's actually what it said. But yeah, okay. I'm good now. <laughs> Kevin says, Today's stage is a cinema. The shadow of a crime shows up on the screen. The episode starts with the detective boys receiving free movie passes from Professor Gasa. They can see any movie that they want and decide to go on Wednesday since they have the school off. Conan tries to skip out, but he's guilted into it in order to strengthen the bonds of friendship. Hybear is entertained by Conan losing the debate and remarks that the great detective is losing face there. 
Why, why, why do you think Conan's so antisocial? Why didn't he want to go watch a movie? Uh, he's always come across as more of a bookworm type. They arrive at the theater and decide via a game of rock, paper, scissors to see a Gomera film instead of Conan's suggestion of the Onamaru legend murder mystery and High Bear's pick of Einstein's Days of Glory and Anguish. Which movie <laughs> would you have picked? Oh, definitely the the murder mystery. Well, I would have gone with Einstein's Days of Glory and Anguish. Of course Anguish. you would have. So this part was super hilarious for me because there's obviously better odds that they were going to go see the Gomera movie, like three out of five, right? <laughs> All it took was one of the other detective boys to win. And actually when they, you know, cut to the next scene, I thought Hybaro won. Like, I don't know if you got that same impression because what they were actually showing on the screen, I was just like, is that meant to be Einstein? Yeah, it's really great. So it starts off with a scientist, and he's like, you know, talking real solemnly about his experiments and stuff. And then you see the giant monster appear, but you, it looks like High Bear One at first, because everybody looks bored, and there's the scientist on screen. It's really great. Yeah. And uh, Ginta says that he doesn't want to watch Conan's film because you have to think to watch that stuff, which is a good point. <laughs> of course, it's Genta that says it. The kids cheer on Gomera during the first film, which sees him battling a giant spider. While Conan is annoyed, Hybera compliments the film and says it truly reflects the doom of fools who put their faith in science. <laughs> okay. Come on, you gotta admit these are some good moments between Hybera and Conan here. Oh, I'd rather she not be there, but yeah. <laughs> a 25-year-old man named Toshiyuki Ide asks the kid to be quiet, and they apologize for getting too into the action on screen. What do you think about this guy? He's kind of a dick, huh? This is the the guy with the camera? Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't... Mm, he was, like, not that I had a favorite culprit character, but he was probably my least favorite of the movie theater characters. Hibera then remarks at how empty the theater is, as there's only four people other than the detective boys there. Mitsuhiko mentions that only their school has off today since it's their anniversary, and that they're watching an old film. Ayumi and Genta's parents also warned them about this location, as there have been plenty of brawls as well. Conan notices ropes and stepladders all around the area, and wonders if the theater is getting renovated. Yeah, this place seems rather trashy. Yep, my kind of establishment. The film ends, and Conan suggests that they go play soccer. However, Genta reveals that it's a triple header. There's not one, but three Gomera films to watch. Oh boy. <laughs> How lucky. It's fantastic. Have you ever done that? Like, watch a movie marathon? No, I haven't. Okay. It's uh, quite an experience. Have you? Yeah, so uh, we did the uh, Star Trek movies once, and then I've been to a theater where I watched, like, multiple movies in a day, but they weren't connected to each other, necessarily. They head to the concession stand to get snacks as Conan complains about having to watch a bunch of films that he's already seen. Hybera tells him to rest his neutrons, and that if he keeps using his head all the time, he'll go bald like a gasa, which really terrifies Shinichi. He's like, oh god, not my hair. <laughs> that joke, like, I under I got it, but for some reason it didn't translate. Like, they didn't have any sort of subtitles or anything to explain it to you, so I guess, it, like, I think it was obvious enough, but for some reason uh, it was more of, like just the image of him losing his hair, and you're like, okay, I guess they're referring to a gossip. 
The nice concessions manager, Yuriko Tomasato, gives the kids two extra tubs of popcorn and says that they're the theater's last audience as they're closing down tomorrow. Akio Muramatsu, the owner, then appears and he says that the theater operated for 30 years and that the workers are already getting ready to dismantle it. So that's pretty sad. It is sad. Seiji Haruta, the real estate agent that is going to buy the place, appears and he says that he only left it open one extra day since the owner begged him to wait until the anniversary of the opening. Haruta says there isn't much of a turnout and jokes that if only Gomera could stomp on this place, it'd save me a lot of work. Ha ha ha. This guy's a jerkwad. The projectionist Minoru Furuhashi then yells at Haruta for smoking inside, so he then stomps it out and sarcastically says that he'll be more careful starting tomorrow. Get it? Because it's closing? Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> this this guy This guy's also a dick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? Wait, which one? The projectionist? No, well... <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, but I, I, I was talking about uh, Haruta. Okay, yeah. Conan asks for Hashi how often Haruta comes here and learns that he's been coming nearly every day. Whenever he's here, a couple of thugs always start a fight in the middle of the movie. He reveals Tomasato believes that he hired the thugs to drive the theater out of business. Conan then spots Ide taking photographs. Muramatsu remarks that Ide is a big fan of monster movies that has been coming here ever since he was a little kid, and he's almost like a son to him. Tomasato then runs off to pick up lunch for all the employees since she forgot to get it earlier. The second film then begins, and we see a couple enjoying the films get interrupted by Haruta, who kicks their chair and blows smoke in their face after calling himself Gomera, which is pretty cool. He's just like, <laughs> just terrorizing these folks, and he's like, I'm the monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah either that or he needs a life like this guy's been coming to this movie theater every day for goodness knows how long terrorizing people you'd think like he'd have other things to do if he were in real estate well clearly the real estate business isn't going well as we'll learn <laughs> yeah i guess not unless this guy just sucks at his job which i would not be surprised about conan believes the rumor of him hiring the thugs and feels bad for the owner who's also watching the films we then get a dramatically shot scene where someone seemingly approaches Haruta, which is interspersed with scenes from the movie. So it's quite the uh, quite the directed scene here. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was good. It kind of it was like a movie within a movie. It, no, that doesn't make sense. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> no. Mitsuhiko notes that it's chilly in the theater. He just says Ayumi falls asleep on Kenan's shoulder. So Colleen was probably jealous. <laughs> no comment. He then turns to Hibera to ask if she can change seats with him so he can get to the restroom, but she falls asleep on his other shoulder, so he has two ladies, not named Colleen, <laughs> sleeping on him. And not named Ron. I feel like we haven't seen Ron in a long time. Ginta and Mitsuhiko then fawn over Amira the fairy, who uh, doesn't seem to be wearing much clothes. I know, you kind of just see her butt there for one moment. I was like, nice. Yeah, so um, I don't know if that was, you know, children friendly, but uh, hey, whatever. <laughs> we then see Tomaseda return and make tea for Furuhashi. However, he then notices something blocking the projector and swinging back and forth. They turn on the lights and it winds up being the dead body of Haruta. Oh, dang. Hibera, very nonchalantly, tells Conan that he never gets a chance to rest, which I thought was funny. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Wow, see, 
I don't feel like you would have had that attitude if Ayumi said something like that. Probably not. I'm super biased by this point. It's not even a bias, it's just jealousy. <laughs> and, and wishing you were that woman. No, that's definitely not it. When deep down you are that woman, you can't you can't accept the truth. It's a lot of conflicted feelings, I can tell. Don't psychoanalyze me on this show. Kagi and Inspector Megari arrive at the scene. The employees explain that nobody liked him, that he always sat in the back of the theater and smoked so it would block the projector. They initially believe that it's a suicide, and the kids tell them the time of death occurred once a mirror was on the screen, so that's around 1244. A police officer claiming to be Detective Chiba <laughs> informs them that the only suspects are Ide, the owner, the projectionist, and the concessions manager, uh, since the couple Haruta was harassing left. Uh, let's talk yes. about this. So we get the quote-unquote debut of Detective Chiba here, who becomes a mainstay of the police squad in the future, but it doesn't look anything like him. He doesn't act anything like him. Like, this is really odd. And he wasn't in this case in the manga, so it was like an anime thing where they added him in. It was it's just a very awkward scene. I got excited when I saw, oh, it's Chiba's debut last week. And I was like, okay. And then I didn't even notice this the entire episode. <laughs> only until uh, before the show. I was like, Colin, wait, did Chiba, like, was he in here? And then you were like, yeah, yeah, he was that officer. And I was like, oh. Like, what was your thoughts on this? Because I was really disappointed once I remembered that Chiba was supposed to be in it. I was disappointed, too. And I, was, um, I wasn't I was even looking for him, necessarily. I guess I forgot that we had mentioned that last week. And I actually feel really bad to anybody who maybe believed us. Because I would not, like, I don't think this appearance uh, does Chiba justice at all. So I was disappointed, but also... I, I had to laugh. I was just like, that is not Chiba. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would say that that was. Like, Megari called, like, the only reason I uh, realized it was him was when Megari said his name. But, like, for what the character was, like, they could have just not given him a name. They could have given Takagi those lines. Like, it was just such a throwaway appearance. <laughs> Yeah, I'll put the picture of Chiba as the uh, the imposter as the image for this podcast, but it's definitely not <laughs> Chiba. We'll get to his actual debut down the line. I think it's not for another hundred episodes, though. Wah, wah. She was great. Well, not this <laughs> not Chiba, not the fake Chiba, not the one we had here. For Hashi, then asks why it's not a suicide, and he doubts an old man, a teenage girl, or a little weedy guy could have hung him. Of course, Furuhashi could have committed the crime, but he's in the projection room. Everybody gives their alibis, and Megari believes they all could have worked together. Ide says that isn't the case, and shows Megari a photo he took of the death on his camera. Kone vouches for the authenticity of the photos, as you can see the kids in it, and it confirms that Ide was in his seat the entire time. Uh, did you have any early suspicions, um, of who did it? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I knew who did it, like, I remember this... So yeah, last week I was like, I don't remember this case from seeing, you know, the title and the images associated to it on the wiki. But as I started watching, I'm like, yeah, I remember who it is. Um, so it was interesting to see uh, the the plot play out knowing the, the murderer and sort of where the writers were trying to steer the audience into, like, believing who... Uh, 
could have done it. So, uh, yeah. How about you? I was suspicious of the owner, but I think it's because I was confusing this with that museum case that takes place early on. I thought it was another thing where he was like, I need to defend the honor of my failing business, and he kills the guy. Mm -hmm. So I was I was really suspicious of the owner the entire time. I thought maybe he did something when he went to like check on the air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. So but uh, that turned out not to be the case. The woman was also suspicious because... Uh, you know, the two X chromosomes. But uh she never really seemed like evil to me. I have a good I know if a woman's evil or not. Like Colleen. <laughs> Jealous, but not evil. Oh, I don't even know how to take that. One photo shows the owner leaving his seat and he says he went to check the cooling system since it was overly chilly. He then shows the police where the cooling system controls are. And Megary asks to see the projection room. There are two of the projectors in the room since they use one to project the current film and the other to rewind the previous reel. Since it takes so long to rewind, they wouldn't be able to start the next showing on time if they only had one projector. Furuhashi explains that there are two windows in the room, one for him to observe the theater and the other for the projector. The window in front of the projector is sealed shut and was where Haruta was hung in front of. Megary believes it's a suicide, and then Conan laughs. He says he's come up with an idea, and says that you could split the reel in two halves at Emira's scene, so that one projector played the first half, while the other one played the second. Megary says that way the body wouldn't interfere with the first half of the movie, and would only be discovered later. Furuhashi says that's a smart idea, and that some theaters do uh, do that, but when you cut a reel it leaves an obvious mark when you reconnect the films, and that they won't find that, but they're afraid to check it. Tomaseda then claims that the only moving projector that she saw was one by the door, and that she came back around 12.40. The kids remark at how dirty the staff waiting room is, and that the ashtray is filled with cigarette butts, and that the mirror is broken. It's all, like, held together with bandages. It was really, or maybe it was <laughs> tape, know. but it was, like, really just a nasty place. Yeah, it was, like, uh, that kind of brown brown tape or bandages would have been funny though Furuhashi tells them to lay off as the place is getting torn down tomorrow so they have no reason to clean he doesn't give a shit <laughs> i respect that <laughs> why overwork mitsuhiko is then acting strangely so conan asks him what's wrong and as the episode ends mitsuhiko proclaims that he saw tomasato in the girl's bathroom looking in the mirror and rubbing her eyes how scandalous and why was Mitsuhiko in the girl's bathroom, Colleen? This is a mystery that we never really solve here. No, nobody seems to address that at all. But I guess that's just the theme of it, because in the next episode, Conan's in the girl's bathroom, too. What are these strange children doing in the girl's bathroom? We'll never know. <laughs> no. So what'd you think of uh, part one here? I really enjoyed it. Um, I kind of I like the premise of it being in a movie theater. Um, that's you know about to get torn down or whatnot. I, that kind of stuff appeals, I guess, to my emotions. Like, I, I mean, it it wasn't fun to watch Haruta be a jerk to everybody or whatnot. But um, yeah, he he uh, ends up dying. So. <laughs> It's okay. Okay, that sounds horrible. But uh, overall, yeah, I, I I thought the the setup was good. Um, 
I liked how they were already kind of talking about the air conditioning and that really jogged my memory. I'm like, okay, that's going to be important and whatnot. Uh, this last part with Mitsuhiko, like declaring that he saw her, you know, in the girl's bathroom looking in the mirror, it was so random to me because there wasn't any sort of build up. Like you didn't get little kind of glances of from Mitsuhiko and him being sort of like suspicious or on edge or anything. It was just sort of like a random and, um, especially coming from him because there are often times in episodes where he just he barely says anything so it's almost like they're throwing him a bone by trying to get Mitsuhiko more involved in cases or something because let's face it he's yeah they're get, they're throwing him a bone by making him a creep that goes into the woman's bathroom yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> gives him some personality not that he doesn't it's just that he kind of is outshined by the other detective boys so not not to say like this is the only episode that Mitsuhiko does anything, but it, it just kind of stood out, but maybe not in a good way. But yeah, overall, I was really into the episode. I was uh, looking forward to seeing the conclusion. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting episode. I loved all the character moments. There's a lot of funny back and forth between Ken and Ahibera, the uh, one true pairing, and then uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just did this to piss you off. Oh, oh. Like, the rock, paper, scissors stuff was real fun. All the detective boy interactions were really, really solid in this episode. And then, of course, like you said, Mitsuhika got to show his personality. (laughs) If that's what we're calling that now. My personality is that I like to go into women's restrooms and watch (laughs) them rub their eyes together. Is that what Mitsuhiko sounds like? Yes, this is Mitsuhiko. You can find me in the you bathroom. The girls' bathroom, in particular. <laughs> you should go out for, um, like, voice acting. Specifically for Mitsuhiko. Alright, so if they, they redo the Detective Conan dub, I have Mitsuhiko on lock. The uh, next Conan's hint is Mirror, which is a better hint than <laughs> whatever shit we had. Ab- above the theater. Above the theater. <laughs> The Conan's hint for this episode is above the girls' bathroom. <laughs> it's a hika, that's Which not. is where I usually hang out. <laughs> that is where I usually spend most of my free time. <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it wouldn't. It's just, I don't know why I said that. It's a hika will now narrate the rest of the episode. Uh, alright. <laughs> we'll see how long you can go for. No, <laughs> we won't. <laughs> we won't find that out. <laughs> well, that was short. <laughs> so we moved to episode 139, the final screening murder case part two. Oh my gosh, your voice just like went a lot deeper. I don't know why. <laughs> Well, I was doing Mitsuhiko. <laughs> so you had to, like, get back to your normal voice. You have to go super low to try and balance it out. Wait, I, was it lower? It, it sounded a little <laughs> lower, but maybe I was so used to the Mitsuhiko <laughs> voice by then. You're like, this episode begins with. <laughs> so the uh, episode aired on March 15th, 1999. Today is the end for this movie house. 
a film script. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to get back to Mitsuhika. I don't know what my real voice is anymore, Colleen. I mean, if it's going to be the Mitsuhiko voice, then... <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. You're so method, it only takes you a second to get into character. I don't know who I am anymore. So, uh, to- today... <laughs> today is the end of for this movie house <laughs> I'm still I don't think I can unhear it now <laughs> today is the end for this movie house jeez I don't even know what my real voice okay I think I'm I think I'm back alright so today is the end for this movie house a film screening that reveals the future Kenan says Oh, God. It kicks right back off with Mitsuhiko. <laughs> <laughs> he says that he saw Tomasato right before the shadow appeared during Emira's scene, and Meguri asks her to explain. She says that one of her contact lens fell out, and that she went to the restroom to fix it while the water was boiling. A likely story. A likely story, miss. <laughs> Thankfully, I was there miss? in the women's bathroom to catch you. To witness it all. Since she was only gone for less than a minute, uh, she didn't think it was all that important to tell the police. Meguri asked for Hashi if he noticed she was gone, but he didn't since he was in the projection room the entire time. He says it ultimately doesn't matter since she was with him when the shadow appeared. Takagi then runs in and informs Meguri that Haruta had huge gambling debts and that selling the property wouldn't have paid them off. People in the neighborhood also say that the, his real estate company was on the verge of bankruptcy, so he had reason to kill himself. However, Kenan is still suspicious, as he just doesn't believe that Haruta is the type to commit suicide, which apparently assholes don't commit suicide. I like I like this reason they hear by Kenan. He's like, oh, that guy was too much of an asshole to kill himself. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's only the poor, desperate, nice people that take their lives i guess in, in according to conan well he's right though because i haven't killed myself and i'm certainly an asshole <laughs> <laughs> where does that leave me <laughs> oh <laughs> never mind <laughs> that was a low ball <laughs> so uh conan's bugged by the cold air and the concession manager's strange actions so he's still not sure about all this professor agasa then arrives at the theater and tells mitsuhiko and genta that Meguri told him to pick them up. Not to be funny, but I didn't expect to see Agasa in this two-parter at all. Yeah, I was surprised that he showed up, but I guess Conan needed somebody to uh, solve the case with, so he works. Yeah, I guess. Could have, you know, called... Jeez, uh, what's his name? We haven't seen him in forever. Koguro. <laughs> Richard Moore. <laughs> Richard Moore. P.I. Gaza asks where the rest of the kids are, and Ginta eloquently says that they're in the can. <laughs> okay. That's probably the coolest way to refer to bathrooms, right? Or in the shitter? The cool- oh, uh, I think the can's better. Okay. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> this is a side note, it's nothing really to do with, like, Detective Conan. It's more like, just, I guess, Japanese and anime- in general, but whenever they talk about the bathroom, they like in Japan they call it the toilet. So it's just like it's a little off-putting, I guess, for me. <laughs> so you're like, I'm in the toilet. Yeah. 
A little bit. I don't know. I guess I'm used to, just used to like bathroom, washroom. So they're like, we're in the toiletto or whatever. <laughs> whatever the accent is. You sounded like Italian at the end there. Yeah, I knew it was going to come out that way, but I didn't mean for it to. It's like you were so concerned about sounding racist that you just went like a totally different race. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the girls' toiletto. <laughs> Thank you, Mitsuhiko. You you know what I'm talking about. Conan notes that the restroom is at the end of the corridor on the left-hand side and that it's near the stairs to the projection room. He can't figure out why she came down here and looks in the bathroom mirror. Hibera then notes that Shinichi is used to the sight of his child form, but she gets chills every morning when she looks in the mirror. Co Colleen, uh, I heard through a rumor that you also get chills uh, when you look in the mirror. That That is 100% true, actually. <laughs> Why? Oh, because it's not a pretty sight. Oh. It kind of reminds her that it's her fault why they're like that, and she notes that while he strives for the truth... He's forced to deceive. Not even the perfect reflection of this mirror shows our true selves, Ibera says. Doesn't she have such a poetic way of speaking? Isn't it great? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, uh, what's that word? Um, oh gosh, can't think of it right now. Yep, that word. Uh, that word. <laughs> Starts with a P. Poop. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> the way she speaks is poop. <laughs> I was just thinking of P words. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate you trying to help. Kenan then figures out the case and runs out of the restroom, or the toiletto, and <laughs> Ayumi walks out embarrassed that Kenan was in the girls' room. Well, just think about where Mitsuhiko is, girl. Kenan looks through the theater seats and finds a pile of cigarette butts and ashes, he says that he's found what he was looking for, and we then see a footprint on the next seat up. Conan says he knows who the killer is, and that they use the darkness, light, and cooling system of the movie theater to pull off the murder. Okay, first off, I thought it was really funny how the footprint was, because it just bends 90 degrees. Like, there's no, there's no gap in the footprint. Like, this guy's foot somehow went a total 90 degrees on this... Oh, chair. yeah, it's like, it curled over. Yeah, it was real goofy. <laughs> I was like, that is not how the footprint would have looked. Because <laughs> I thought that was going to play in or something, and I thought, it like, oh, that's really weird. I wonder what they were doing there. But no, they just poorly drew this footprint. <laughs> <laughs> well, they poorly drew Chiba, so let's not be too surprised. True. Kenan informs Agasa that he knows who the killer is and how they use the trick of light to create an alibi. Augustus says that he can't play detective this time since he just arrived. However, Conan tells him not to worry, as he can just tell the cops that the kids filled him in. He then whispers instructions into Augustus' ears, but the rest of the detective boys begin to listen in, and Ayumi says it's no fair how Conan always gets to solve the case. He then asks them for help on a special assignment. So I thought this was cute. I'm glad the detective boys got the help out here, and how they helped out winds up being pretty funny. Yeah, it's actually a, a really, um, it's one of the better times that they can help out, or one of the better examples of them helping out, because uh, sometimes it's just sort of they say something, not realizing it, and that's what helps Conan, but they're actually part of the deduction demonstration, so yeah, it was fun. 
Takagi tells Megury that an employee at the real estate company said that Haruta was in a really bad mood this morning and that he came to the theater after arguing over the, with the bank over the phone. It turns out that the bank wasn't willing to lend him the money to buy the theater and that he was a million yen short. Then it confirms that the place wasn't sold yet and that he was going to sign the contract over and deal with payment tomorrow. So this made me really suspicious of the owner still. Because it was like, oh, was he trying to keep the place? You know, trying to back out of this business still? Yeah. Maybe. And who knows, maybe he has really flexible feet. With all the evidence, Megury is sold on the suicide theory. Ide asks if he can go home and is told that he can, as the police will just contact him later. However, the lights go down in the theater, and Agasa explains that he's going to show them how the killer tricked everybody. Agasa says Haruta was strangled in the darkness of the theater by Furuhashi, the uh, projectionist, and that the projector was used to create an alibi. Tomasete says that Furuhashi was in the projection room when the shadow appeared on the screen, and Agasa then makes an object appear in front of Emera. It winds up being Genta, whose fat ass is somehow hanging on to a rope. <laughs> I was really impressed with Genta. He did not say a single word. Nobody knew who was there. So props to Genta for shutting his mouth for once. Tomasato says that can't be the trick as Genta just jumped onto the rope when the projector started. But that actually isn't the case. He was actually hanging there the entire time. Like you said, good on Genta. He didn't make a scene. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't talking about Fradil. <laughs> Ide says that he would have seen him hanging there when they looked at the windows if Genta was there. Agasa laughs and says they didn't notice because the window was covered with a book, blocking all the light from the projection room. Megari brings up that the shadow was swaying side to side, and Agasa signals the kids. They then all jump onto Genta, so they have three kids all hanging on to Genta, and he's still just hanging there. Uh, it was kind of dangerous, don't you think? Yeah. Like, do these kids' parents know what they get up to but i mean genta i guess he's strong <laughs> like if if this were mitsuhiko holding onto the rope then this one this demonstration would not go well for sure agasa explains that they roughly weigh the amount of a grown man and hibera then turns on the cooling system way up and the kids start to sway as a result furuhashi says that's a nifty story but there's one major issue the movie was projected through the same window the body was in front of, so it would have appeared on the screen if it was there the whole time. He asks how the movie was projected up until that point, and Agasa quickly switches between projectors. Tomasato believes he cut the film, and she runs up to the projection room as they've got to return it after they're done with it. However, when she enters the room, she realizes that he's only using one projector. Did you have the trick all figured out by now, or did you just remember who did it? How much did you have? Figured out through memory. Um, I remembered the uh, air conditioning part. I couldn't recall the uh, the projection part though, like with the mirror. That yeah. that was a little foggy, but uh, yeah, I, I remembered sort of the air conditioner being the thing that swayed his body to and fro. Megri asks how he's doing this, and Agasa laughs and tells him to look at the tip of the projector. Megri notices a part of a mirror attached to it, which was taken from the broken mirror next door. He shows that if he twists it, the reflection hits off another mirror stuck to the wall and out through the secondary window. This way, the reel doesn't have to be cut, and he can choose which window to project it out. 
Agassi says the cigarette butts from the late Haruta proves that they're in front of the observation window, not the projection window. The owner asks for Hashi if it's true, but he gets no answer. Agasa then runs through the events. First, Furuhashi sent Tomaseto out on an errand so he could move freely. After the movie began, he adjusted the air conditioning and was then projecting the film via the observation window. He then went into the theater and strangled Haruta with a rope and hung him in front of the projection window. He used a uh, ladder that was there, which the kids noticed earlier uh, due to the construction. Mm-hmm. After Tomaseto returned... He unblocked the window and took the mirror off the projector so that viewers would then see the body. So this is a pretty clever trip. Yeah, I'm uh, really impressed that Furuhashi came up with that. But then again, I'm always impressed with these tricks. And Although this one seems like he had some time to plan it out. It wasn't like one of those on-the-fly ones. Yeah. Thomas Aito says it was just a coincidence that she figured out launch and had to go to the convenience store. Agasa agrees, but says that Furuhashi would have had her buy tea leaves if she didn't. He also encouraged the owner to watch the film today so that uh, he'd have an audience when the shadow appeared. He also chose a method that only a strong man could do so the owner wasn't suspected. Tomaseto then asks for proof, and Agasa tells them to look at the photo of the shadow in Ide's digital camera. They examine it, and the image is out of focus. Agasa explains that the problem with the trick is that when the mirror is removed, the distance from the projector changes, and the image becomes out of focus. It takes time to readjust the projector lens, and Furuhashi simply didn't have enough time to do that before the lights were turned on. Tomaseto attempts to cover for her co-worker and says she bumped into the projector when the shadow appeared. Agasa then asks her why she went to the restroom to fix her contact lens, and Furuhashi answers for her and says it was because she couldn't find the mirror in the waiting room. He apologizes for putting her through all of this, and admits to the crime, saying he really screwed up. What'd you think about uh, the guy fessing up here? He didn't, like, demand more proof? No, um, I mean, he kind of comes across as a stand-up sort of guy. Like, he took it into account that he didn't want to make it seem like any of the other people could possibly be the culprit, so, um... I mean, he, at least from that perspective, I guess he seems like a considerate person, but then you've got the side of him where he actually, you know, murdered somebody, so that's not exactly excellent. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, the very rare <laughs> considerate murderer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's one of those moral dilemma situations because the, the victim was, you know, just a complete jerk that you didn't want around but did he deserve to die i don't know i don't think so but um yeah i uh i didn't like he kind of furusara furuhashi rather kind of came across as like he wasn't too combative over the episode i guess there's some uh culprits or some like uh, uh suspects that they really fight it, but he's just sort of, you know, calmly pointing things out the entire time. So the fact that he calmly said, okay, yeah, it was me, wasn't too surprising. The owner is shocked and can't believe that he was capable of such a thing. I thought you loved the movie theater as much as the rest of us, the owner says. And Furuhashi says he does love the theater and he didn't want to do something so ugly here, but he just couldn't hold back. 
He says that he always loves looking through the projection window, much like Mitsuhiko loved looking in the girls' bathroom <laughs> and watching the audience enjoy the films. But due to Haruta, the crowd started to d- dwindle. So I wanted to hang him in front of this window and make him look at this sad, lonely view. And then he's like, well, I mean, I guess you can't really look at it when you're dead, but oh, whatever. <laughs> he, like, kills his own poetic, <laughs> like, statement. It was so weird. I think that just speaks to the regret. I, I think yeah. he definitely has regret over what he did. Yeah. Do you, like, it was one of the, do you think it was one of those situations where he was just, well, I mean, I guess he was pushed to his limits, but... uh he almost, it almost came across like he was putting it um, all on his shoulders to save this theater. Although, I don't know if he could guarantee that killing the guy would save it necessarily. Although, as we will find out shortly, it, it kind of works out. So, good on him. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, I guess murder pays in this episode. Megary says he'll hear the rest back at the station as Furuhashi apologizes to the owner for sullying the theater's reputation one last time. Uh, the owner says that the place may have been doomed anyhow as the crowds were disappearing even before he showed up. He says that little second-run theaters like this one are obsolete. Now that television and video are everywhere. It's just old-fashioned to sell dreams on the silver screen. However, Ayumi objects and says that she loves movies. Kenta says the screen is way bigger than a TV, and Mitsuhiko says it's a place where people can dream together. This cheers up the owner, and Furuhashi asks him to set up the projector and let the kids watch this movie as an apology to them. So they say, fuck it, we don't care that it's an active crime scene, we're gonna put on a show and let them see the rest of the film. (laughs) Okay, I was wondering if you had the same sentiments. I was like, are you really going to watch a movie after you just saw someone... Hung. <laughs> Apparently the answer is yes. The the little audience gets to see the rest of the show and they are hyped. Yeah. Water off a duck's back. So after the ending song, we see Agasa operating the projector as the kids watch the final Gomera film. Tomasaito says that they're the perfect final audience, but the owner actually disagrees. He says that he won't sell the theater after all. I'd completely forgotten the excitement of seeing a movie for the first time, he admits, the theater erupting with applause and cheers. I can't give up just yet, not until I've filled all the seats with smiling faces like those. And then, ever the buzzkill, Conan remarks that the kids are getting way too rowdy in his head as the episode ends, so. Thanks, Conan. Thanks. That's awesome. (laughs) How's it awesome? He's a old grum Conan. I feel like if Hybera would have said that, you would have been like, she has no fun. She has no sense of excitement. She is always so negative. Why do I sound like a robot? My name is Colleen, and I have downloaded the I Hate Hybera software. Yes, and I upgrade it. <laughs> Quite often. Yeah, I just kind of feel bad because the, the owner's like, oh, I won't. I will make sure that I get all these people back into the movie theater where Conan and his friends never go back there again. <laughs> or at least we don't see yeah, them. Also, back. realistically, this place closes down in another six months. Yeah. Aww. So what did you think about this two-parter? Uh, did you like the ending here? Did it come together? What did you think? Yeah, overall, I, I like this uh, this case. Um I liked the uh the explanation like the deduction show like you mentioned the uh 
the participation of the de- detective boys was fun. Um, I, it's the deduction for this one in particular um, is an example of sort of the ones where, while I'm you know all for it and it's so enjoyable to watch Conan do it, I have to like suspend or disbelief for uh, a little bit because it just. It was like, how does Conan know all this stuff about projectors and cameras and knowing that, like, when he was explaining um, why the photo, in the photo, like, the the screen was blurry, but the rest of it was in um, in focus. And it was just like, does Conan actually know about this stuff? Or, because there are other times when, you know, he's got, like, experts, if you will, explaining to him how certain things work, and he can just deduce from that. But this one, it just seemed like Conan knew everything. So while it's super entertaining, I'm always like, hmm, I don't know if that's totally realistic. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the case came together well. Um, I was, uh, it kind of like uh, pulled at my heartstrings a little bit just because the idea behind, you know, the, the theater closing down and how everyone was so emotional about it. it it's just really sad because you think about like places that, places, well, that, um, you know, people used to go to a lot and there was some sort of joy related to them and then now they just become desolate and nobody uh, goes to do those types of things because there's like newer more fandangled exciting things to do so yeah it kind of um i mean it kind of it made me a little sad yeah it's really relatable and that hit me too it made me think of like i used to go to malls and just hang out with friends and would spend, you know, like hours at the mall going into all the different shops, places you normally would never go, but you're like stuck at the mall. So you're like, yeah, let's check out all these different places. And you see such weird stuff. And like now malls are like abandoned because everybody just shops online. And, you know, with COVID, I'm sure they've gotten even more uh, desolate. So it's like, it just seems like a real product of a bygone era. It's kind of like a kind of a bummer to think about, like, you know, like, Kids don't have that experience anymore. I mean, you know, new stuff crops up all the time, so it's not like a net negative or anything. But you know, you're just like, wow, that just doesn't exist anymore. And I definitely like felt some emotions seeing this guy. You know, like rekindle his love for the business he started, and I think the struggle of like a, a small business owner is something very relatable and something. Uh, people's passions can speak to so i thought that was a very interesting thing so i, I totally agree with you yeah there's definitely a nostalgia factor here did uh, did you like the case overall yeah i thought it was a really solid two-parter um i think the first parts like the the goofier moments really made me uh really enjoy that uh the, the mystery was solid because i didn't know like how ex- everything was exactly done until uh near the end of the case and they had me thinking somebody else was the culprit. So, uh, you know, I thought the mystery was on point. I thought the, uh, even the killer was kind of like you were mentioning, you're saying they were considerate and stuff. And I kind of made fun of that, but you know, really like he has redeemable qualities and he's more of a sympathetic murderer. And we definitely get that in Conan sometimes, but usually there's, they still like, Oh, well, they they might be trying to paint them with a, like a bit of a sympathetic brush, but they're still like pretty much straight up asshole. But this guy, you know, he seems more of a nice guy that really just didn't like seeing his passion die because of this guy. And he's trying to cling on and 
you know, help out in a way. And then he ultimately regrets what he's done because he's, you know, kind of hurting the business. So I thought that they did a really good job of painting him as a character with depth, even though, Mm -hmm. you know, we only see him on screen for maybe 20 minutes. But, you know, they do a good job with that. So I think one big indication, too, was the fact that uh, Tomosato kept trying to somehow veer the investigation away from him like as if she were kind of trying to protect her colleague so um it kind of goes to show like at least she liked him i I assume he was well liked um at the theater yeah for sure uh so the next conan's hint is clock so be on the lookout for that then we have a cute little ending scene here where they say what are the most interesting movies right now and they say the 14th target and the last wizard of the century. That's, of course, the uh, prior Conan film and the one that's coming up. We're almost to movie three, Colin. Yeah, so this is uh, it's pretty exciting because it's almost like we're watching these um, episodes as they were aired. I guess that's the, the whole idea behind this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just realizing that now. Well, no, that's why it's a rewatch. Oh. <laughs> So uh, next week, we will watch episode 140 of the anime, which is SOS Messages from Ayumi. And then we're watching a short little OVA called The Mysterious Murder Plan, The Making of Conan, which is this like seven minutes uh, behind the scenes video with the Conan characters kind of showing how anime is made. Um, So I'll link it on our Twitter, of course, uh, before uh, when we put the episode up next week. Um, just so you can watch it as well. It's kind of a neat little relic of Conan history. And while it's not like a traditional case, I think it's pretty cute and a, a cool look at how the show was produced. We get to see some voice actors, one of which Kyle called sexy. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, get, guess which one that was. But yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week. And uh or gato. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> arigato, domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. Bye. <laughs> Bye, and remember, one truth always prevails.